Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by the United Ways of Chautauqua County. United Way is a nonprofit organization that mobilizes the community to help every person and family improve their lives. Donations to the United Way stay 100% locally in our community and get invested in more than 40 community-based programs. These programs help students achieve academic success, families to be self-sufficient and financially stable, and vulnerable households to get their basic and emergency needs met. The United Ways of Chautauqua County, proud supporters of community radio in Jamestown, New York. To learn more, visit uascc.org or call 716-483-1561. So we're welcoming State Senator George Burrell to the WRFA studios today to talk about a number of topics, but we're going to start with a, a, a big topic for the week, and that was we had the governor's state of the state address, and uh, we thought it would be great to have uh, Senator Burrell in to talk about his reaction to that and thoughts on that. So welcome to the studios. Well, I'm glad to be back. Thank you very much. Yes, it was, uh, you know, I was there for the state of the state, and I... Uh, you know, I will start off by saying there were some things in there that uh, I thought were uh, good and important. You know, first and foremost, talking, at least addressing crime and the issues that we have there. Um, I have my uh, doubts that she's going to be able to convince the progressives you know, that really run the state legislature that uh, there need to be more changes to bail reform. But uh, I'm glad to hear her acknowledge that. Out-migration. She discussed the fact that New York State leads the nation in that um uh, and so, uh, you know, I guess the first step in addressing a problem is to admit that you have a problem. So I'm glad to hear her say that. And mental health, that was another thing that I, you know, uh, I'm glad to hear her say this. New York State has uh, really done a lot of damage in the last couple of decades, uh, you know, closing down uh, institutions that help people that have severe mental illness, uh, closing so many hundreds and hundreds of mental health observation beds, tying the hands of our mental health professionals, uh, all in the name of, uh, you know, we don't want to stigmatize mental health. Uh, And it's turned the streets of our communities into mental institutions and uh, a lot of these people to unfortunately suffer without treatment. So I'm encouraged to hear her address those things. Uh, So uh, those are the, the, the positives that I saw in her State of the State address. And uh, yeah, I think when I was, I had the opportunity to talk to Assemblyman Goodell earlier this week, and he he echoed a lot of the same, you know, that he was pleased to see the um, her comments on crime, which I, when I was looking through specifically, you know, for anything that might affect Chautauqua County, and seeing the that they want, she wants to double the money for the Give program, the you know, gun um, to eliminate gun violence. Uh, Jamestown, I know, has you know been benefit benefited from that funding, and I, I to me, I think, does do you think that that is something that even that issue alone would be an issue for the legislature? Or do you think that that's something that they'll probably be okay with? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, you're talking about essentially empowering police and creating hotspot areas for gun violence. Um, and uh, I would hope that that's something we could all agree on. I don't think it should be a partisan issue, but there's a greater issue here. And it's my opinion that the progressives, you know, they have this social justice war that they are continuing to wage. And unfortunately, um, there are in their, they won't say this, but there are acceptable losses for them. In other words, to achieve their social justice goals, they're willing to sacrifice more victims. They're willing to sacrifice uh, revolving door justice. And that to me is a problem. So we need to have an admission that uh, we have to take, we have to understand that our quality of life has suffered, that we have created new victims unnecessarily with revolving door justice, and that we have emboldened criminals uh, with these bad policies. And until that occurs, 
I'm not sure if just addressing hotspots is going to be enough. Uh, so I hope that they would uh, embrace the idea. But again, it's gun violence is a is is a great term, but the reality is violence overall is up, and most violent crime is not involving a gun. So we need to address crime in general and making our streets safe again, making our communities safe again, and that needs to be the real issue. I think one of the things I I don't think she went on record saying that she wants to work on. Uh, bail consideration, but I know that there are many other different groups, including the New York Conference of Mayors, who have, as part of their agenda, want to come out and, and uh, have bail considerations change from what was done in bail reform so that judges have more power for that. Is that in line with what you're thinking you, you want to see happen? Yes, and in fact, in her speech, she did talk about uh, the idea of dangerousness as a consideration. Now, that's an important difference. New York State is one of the only states, if not the only state, that does not allow judges to hold someone based on dangerousness. You know, it's a noble thought to say we don't want, you know, poor people to sit in jail for petty crimes. I think we can all agree on that. But when you start talking about someone that we don't care how much money they have, if they are too dangerous to be on the streets, that cannot be considered by a judge. And their past criminal history cannot be considered by a judge. So if you're a repeat offender who has a you know a, a rap sheet a mile long, that cannot be considered when considering whether or not to hold someone, even without bail. Uh, that is a major issue that needs to be addressed, and it seems to be a non-starter for the progressives in the legislature. Mm-hmm. So moving forward, obviously you saw some things that you were glad to see highlighted, but where are some of the things that maybe you weren't on the same page as the governor with her address? Well, there are several. Um, first and foremost, when she starts talking about uh, this housing compact, sounds like a good idea, but the bottom line is the reason we don't, there's, it's not just affordable housing. Affordability is a problem in New York in general, and a lot of it is due to bad state government policy. So if you want to encourage new development, you need to do so by removing so many, so many of the restrictions that we have on developers, you know, addressing the high taxes and overregulation that we have, and trying to force communities to increase their housing stock, particularly by saying, we're going to override your local zoning, which is a lot of what this housing compact will do. It will say, you must accept multifamily dwellings. You must accept low-income housing. Uh, That's not the way to approach this. The way to approach this is to encourage development by making it easier for people to, number one, to live here, and number two, to build homes here. So I have an issue with that. Also part of that housing compact, she is calling for the elimination of natural gas and the elimination of natural gas stoves, all these things. New York State is abundant in natural gas. And as most people know, Fredonia is, was where the first natural gas well was dug in the nation. So we have a, uh, an abundant source of fuel that is much lower in emissions uh, and that should be embraced because the alternative is the fact that we are continuing to import more and more power from out of state, from dirty old-fashioned coal plants like Homer City, Pennsylvania, to power New York State's needs. And that is not uh, that is not doing anything to help climate change. And in fact, it's going the opposite direction. So <clears throat> when you start looking at these initiatives that are actually going to make New York less affordable, uh, that is, is, is contradictory to the idea of we're going to, you know, stop out migration. Uh, and, and that is, you know, just one of many examples in her speech that she gave that that contradicts the idea of reversing uh, our loss of population and making New York safer and more affordable. 
Mm-hmm. With uh, one thing I read in uh, the press release that came out of your office is that the, she also has this idea of tying the minimum wage to the rate of inflation. And you had some opinions on that. Yeah. Well, let's keep in mind that the, uh, in the last few years, the minimum wage has gone up like 50%. So well past the rate of inflation, especially over the last few years. You know, inflation has certainly been a problem uh, in, since, uh, you know, the beginning of 2022. Uh, but now it's not just about pegging it to inflation. Uh, the plan is to raise the minimum wage to, I believe, $21.25 in New York City and $20 everywhere else, then pegging it to inflation. That's going to create massive increase in costs for everything. Because keep in mind, it's not just about minimum wage workers. That forces wages up for everyone. Uh, and, um, you know, it sounds like a nice idea, but you know, the inflation factor is usually greater uh, than that wage increase. But also, there is this false narrative that, you know, everyone making minimum wage is trying to raise a family. That's just not true. Most people making minimum wage are entry-level positions. Uh, a very significant percentage are young people, teenagers, college-age students that, you know, are doing part-time and seasonal work. Uh, and what's going to happen is there's going to be less and less opportunities. If you look at um, just now, since the, the, the last few years, uh, you've seen automation in places like the fast food industry. Walk into a McDonald's. You know, there's one person working behind the counter. They want you to order at the kiosk or order on the app. Uh, they've reduced, dramatically reduced the number of, of employees uh, in fast food. And that's those are opportunities for, for mostly for young people, you know, to get their first job, to, to develop a work ethic, to save some money, to help their families. You know, my wife and I, we, um, you know, we're in the restaurant and hospitality industry. We employ over 200 people. You know, majority of them are seasonal young people. And we have to look for ways to cut labor. And, and, uh, and so are our fellow restaurant owners. So the bottom line is it's going to increase the costs where you cannot save labor. And it's going to make it out of reach for the average middle class person to be able to do things like go out to dinner, uh, you know, to, to enjoy recreation, things like that. And in the end, it's going to be make it give people less disposable income and uh, a lower quality of life. Uh, you know, it's it's basic economics, and that's really the the tragic part. There's there's there isn't an economics professor worth their salt that will tell you that this is a good idea. Mm-hmm. And obviously, this the governor has laid out what she hopes to accomplish this session. But you mm-hmm. also, uh, yourself, and 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 uh, state legislative Republicans have also come up with your own. Uh, legislative agenda for 2023, and it was called Rescue New York. So, mm-hmm. can you tell me what does Rescue New York have on on tap? Well, if anyone if if anyone needs a rescue plan, it's New York State. You know, we are continuing this race to the bottom. So, number one, first and foremost, it's about public safety. You know, nothing else really matters if people don't feel safe. So, we want to go back and address bail reform. Um, my, my opinion, and this is not necessarily shared by the entire conference, is we need to just a clean repeal of bail reform. You cannot, in my opinion, fix something. And I certainly don't trust the folks that broke the system to fix it. So we have to first and foremost address people's uh, public safety. And New Yorkers uh, need to feel safe in order to be prosperous. Affordability is a big issue. We need to push back against these radical proposals in the Climate Action Council that are going to make it uh, basically basically outlaw you know, reliable forms of energy like natural gas, like propane, which are heavily used here in, in upstate New York, in particular in western New York. Um, it's about ensuring that, um, you know, that, that opportunity is there. But you have to, in order to have opportunity, you have, you have to ensure uh, that we have 
we have people, job creators that are still here. We, we have um, manufacturing that uh, is leaving our area. So we want to ensure that uh, we are doing what we can to address those issues. It's also about workforce and workforce development. Um, you know, we want to help folks that have barriers to employment. Uh, we want to get them trained, particularly in the applied sciences and the skilled trades where we have a severe lacking. Uh, but also we, we want to encourage people to work. In New York, um, you know, it's still easy, very easy, to work indefinitely or to not work indefinitely. So those are our priorities, <clears throat> is to make sure that New York is safe and affordable and free. You know, New York State, we have seen a lack of, uh, uh, of attention to the fact that we've lost so many basic freedoms here in New York State. Uh, one of the issues that I addressed in a lawsuit against the governor was these isolation and quarantine rules, which she has now indicated and the attorney general has indicated uh, that they are going to uh, uh, appeal that decision, even though uh, the judge that decided this uh, really trashed this whole idea that allowing people, allowing the government to come in and forcibly take people from their homes, even using law enforcement, with no proof that they uh, are a threat in any way. In other words, just the suspicion that someone may have been exposed potentially to a, a, a infectious disease, a long list of infectious disease well beyond COVID, um, and the fact that they, that they could take people indefinitely without any due process and without any remedy. You know, the, the judge, the Supreme Court judge, trashed this uh, in his 14-page decision. And now the governor and the attorney general have said they're going to appeal it. So New York is less safe, is, is far more expensive, far more dangerous, and far less free. And those are the things that the Republican conference wishes to address in this coming session. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything in addition to that that you hope to do, you know, related to the district even, sure. for this, this coming session? You know, we need to continue to address our attack, the attack that's happening on agriculture. You know, this is obviously an important industry here in, in, in my district, uh, particularly here in Chautauqua County. We have thousands of farms uh, in uh, western New York in the southern tier. Uh, agriculture continues to be under pressure, uh, once again, from the far left, mostly based in New York City. Uh, they have it out for for agriculture for a number of reasons. Uh, and we're going to continue to push back and to protect uh, our number one industry, which is agriculture. Not just in western New York and the southern tier, but statewide. Agriculture is the number one industry in New York. Um, those are important, uh, you know, important issues for me and for our constituents. Um, we've continued to see the, uh, you know, the proliferation of all of these uh, boondoggle renewable energy projects uh, and, the, and the fact that they have uh, become just so massive and so prevalent uh, and they are really affecting the quality of life, uh, property values here in, in our region. Uh, I, people love this area. They love the, the beauty, the pristine uh, areas, the, 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 the great outdoors, if you will. And if you're going to ruin those things by industrializing uh, our areas and at the same time, uh, you know, really taking out um, productive farmland, that, that is an issue that we have to continue to fight against. Mm -hmm. And related to that, when you're talking about, you know, you've talked about the Climate Act and you've talked about uh, renewable energy, there was something that came up in the news uh, just in the last couple of weeks uh, about wind power that I think I think you had had you smiling or at least, you know, you know <laughs> saying, well, thank goodness. Oh, yes, yes, for sure. Well, if uh, those that were following it, uh, the New York City Energy Research, uh, NYSERDA, uh, the agency, the, did a an extensive two-year study. This study was conducted by people that are largely pro-green energy. There were very few people that were not pro-green energy on this. And they came to the conclusion 
that uh, offshore wind in the Great Lakes is not feasible. Uh, there are the risks are too many, and the benefits too few, and the costs too high. So that was a big victory for those of us that do not want to see industrial wind turbines placed into the waters of our Great Lakes, particularly here in Lake Erie. Uh, the drinking source, drinking water source for over 11 million people, and uh, and most people in Western New York, in fact, draw their drinking water, including including most of the north, the northern Chautauqua County. Um, I'm glad to see this. Uh, it's a bit of common sense and practicality that you don't often see uh, coming out of, uh, of of state government, and I'm hopefully uh, hoping that this will be uh, a signal to the governor. Uh, and to my uh, fellow legislators that this is not worth doing. It's not worth the risks. But it's not over. There are lots of people that uh, stand to make lots of money from this idea of placing industrial wind turbines. The companies that will supply the, the you know the parts and products, the you know the, the people that will build it, um, they're not going to give up so easily. Uh, so uh, we're going to have to continue to monitor this. But I'm hoping that, that this NYSERDA study uh, gets more attention than it does. It's funny, you know, big media groups like the Buffalo News that said, oh, let's wait and see. Let's wait and see what this study says. Uh, all of a sudden, silence. They have not covered this at all. Not one single article, not one blurb in the Buffalo News about this major announcement that happened, uh, you know, New Year's Eve weekend. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, my, my colleagues in the Senate and the Assembly in Western New York that have said, well, wait and see. We have to wait and see for the NYSERDA study. Uh, again, silence from all of them. Uh, that have said they were going to wait and see. So I'm going to reintroduce my legislation that will ban the placing of industrial wind turbines in the freshwater lakes of New York State. Uh, I'm going to take it before uh, the NCON committee again and all those that shot it down last time in committee that said, oh, we have to wait and see for this NYSERDA study. Well, now it's here. Now it's time to step up. And I want to know where my colleagues, particularly here in Western New York, where do you stand on this? Uh, this is a threat a direct threat to the economic engine that is uh, Lake Erie, uh, to the quality of life here in our region, and, and certainly to the safety of the drinking water. So uh, we need people to to make some noise on this and to ask legislators, where do you stand? Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking about, um, you know, logistics. When you get into bodies of water, you know, who has the say over what happens with them? So say, like you said, there are companies that maybe want to put a windmill in there. Who gives permission to them to build a wind, you know, a wind tower in Lake Erie. Well, see, that's the interesting thing. So New York claims ownership of every navigable waterway. Um, that that means that the state uh, gets to decide what happens. And for the state, they love this idea because they don't have to negotiate with landowners and local governments. This is strictly a state decision, uh, and that's but that's where it becomes a problem. And uh, the fact that uh, New York State, by the way, and and uh, I've said this when I was a county legislator and county executive, and our current county executive has said it. New York State is an absentee landlord when it comes to the to the uh, lakes in in New York State. I mean, you know, look at the issues, the challenges that we face uh, in Chautauqua Lake, and and the state has done very very little to help us address the challenges of harmful algal blooms and uh, you know and invasive species. So. The state wants the ability to have dominion over those bodies of water, but doesn't really want to do anything to help improve those bodies of water. And uh, when it comes to the idea of industrial wind turbines in Lake Erie, it's another example of how they're going to use that to monetize it for the state and to allow virtue signaling 
uh, for their uh, radical environmental agenda, but they're really not doing anything to help improve the quality of the water uh, and everything else that's important to New Yorkers when it comes to our Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. So is there anything else that on, for this year that you're hoping to do or things that you've heard that, I don't know if there's anything that was holdovers from last session that you're hoping to get through this session? Yes, you know, I carried a bipartisan bill with uh, Senator Diane Savino, who who retired and, and uh, is, is no longer in the Senate. And it was a bill to essentially uh, create a stronger version of Kendra's law. Uh, and it was to allow our mental health professionals uh, more tools and more time to evaluate people who are in mental health crisis. It's a great bill, um, and um, I, I'm reintroducing it. I'm hopefully going to get some bipartisan support for it. But uh, it certainly is in line with what the governor has said. But, you know, the governor talks about money when it comes to mental health, but it's not just money. Money only gets you so far. You need to have the political will to say that um, we need to address those folks in mental health crisis. We need to ensure that they're not a threat to themselves and to others. And until we're ready to do that, all the money in the world isn't going to change anything. This bill will give our mental health professionals the tools they need to ensure that people are not suffering and acting out uh, in violent ways. And that's really going to be one of my key goals going into this session. Mm-hmm. And uh, another uh, announcement we got from um, your office this week is that you have uh, a new role within the New York State uh, Senate Republicans. Yes, uh, I'm very proud to have been named the uh, chairman of the Senate Republican Campaign Committee. The campaign committee is obviously charged with um, recruiting, identifying, and uh, developing new candidates, um, and also raising funds and resources, developing alliances statewide. Uh, I will be the chairman of that committee, which will expand my role statewide as a leader in the conference. I'm very proud of that. I'm very thankful to uh, Senate Republican Leader Rob Ort for uh, choosing me for this, and um, I look forward to uh, you know to, to helping us uh, really end one-party rule in New York State. You know, we we this last election has shown that Republicans can be competitive statewide, even in the five boroughs, uh, and um, we need to uh, restore some balance of state government. Uh, I think uh, most people look at you know we the, look at the polls. Most people believe that New York State is headed in the wrong direction. Most people feel that they are not safe in New York. And the only way to change that fundamentally is to restore, restore some balance. So I look forward to spreading that message, to recruiting top-tier candidates, and uh, continuing to grow our conference and, uh, and really help restore New York. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, I'd just like to say Happy New Year. It's good to be uh, back with you. And um, you know, we, I look forward to getting back to Albany, but also uh, being back here in the district and um, uh, look forward to a, to a great, happy, healthy 2023. All right. Senator Borello, thanks you so much for being here with us. Thank you.